the blood of the lamb and the power of the testimony of saints. And so this is a time where we get to testify to something God is doing, that we've seen him doing, or how he's answered prayers. And it's just an opportunity, like sometimes we feel pretty powerless, and this is just an opportunity. It's like a weapon against the enemy to be able to testify to God's goodness. And my testimony this week is I've had a really rough stretch at work um, with some really unwell clients, and it's gotten pretty intense at times. And um, I've had people praying, and I guess my testimony today is just for the power of prayer and community. And it's cool, a couple people that have been praying have been stretching of their prophecy gifting, um, specifically like my mom. So she typically doesn't get visions or images when she's praying. And that um, during the season where she's been praying for me faithfully, that she's gotten a couple different images, one of like God holding me like in a huge hand, like kind of covering me and sheltering me. And, and so just the people that are praying and then they'll send me like little messages or things that they're hearing from God and just how encouraging that is. So um, I just want to affirm the power of prayer and just even just telling someone that you're praying for them makes them feel less alone. So I'm very, very thankful for that. And then I'm also thankful for scripture. There's one that I've been holding on to. So as an Enneagram 2 or in the helping profession, I sometimes struggle with feeling like I'm the one that has to do it, that I'm the help, I'm the one that can do it, or I, I'm the one that's supposed to do it and help, and if I can't do it, then, oh gosh, right? And that's pride. That's the sin of the Enneagram too, if anyone's familiar with that. Um, and so there's this verse that I've been clinging to um, where I feel like I've gotten to the end of where I can help somebody and that I'm trying to get them help elsewhere and that person doesn't want help elsewhere right now, and this idea that I have to release her to God, that I can't do more than I've done. And the verse that um, someone sent to me that I'm so holding on to is this verse from Isaiah 43:19, where it says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Now, the part that I love the most is it doesn't say, See, you are doing new things. You are making a way in the wilderness, and you are making streams. It says, I am. And so this belief that, like, God is the one that is going to make a way in the wilderness. And I don't know when, but I trust that this verse is for her, the person that I'm releasing, and uh, that he will make streams in the wasteland that is her life right now. And so I like that it's not on me that I can release this to God. So I'm thankful just for the ability to release what is not mine to carry, which is Nate's prayer that he didn't even know when he sent it to me was what I was struggling with was being able to release. So I'm very thankful for that. And so if anyone else has something that can be small or big, just something that where they've got to shown up and they want to just thank God for something this week. Um, my name's Deb and um, there's a, a future event coming in our family. It's, it's a good time. It's a great time. It's vacation. And so I'm just about a certain situation. I'm borrowing trouble. And one day in particular, I was just, I was just worried about it all day long. I couldn't shake it. I couldn't get rid of it. I couldn't sleep. I'm laying there in bed. I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit, what do I do with this? Help me with this. And I felt an arm a hand, a warm hand on my shoulder, and I just, it just all went away. I fell asleep. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. 
Anybody else? <laughs> Hi, I'm Norm, uh, and I just want to praise God and just say, you know, just by the grace of God that everything is just going fantastic in my life, and that's all I just wanted to share is just thank you, Jesus, for providing me with just everything and your faithfulness, and just thank you. So. Anybody else? I told my son I was going to make him talk if no one was raising their hand, so he's probably hoping that people raise their hand. Uh, I'm going to read a verse. It's Revelation 18.1. Then I saw another angel coming down from heaven. This angel had great power. The angel's glory made the earth bright. And... Um, then the rest of the chapter goes into the destruction of Babylon, but I just have this like feeling like through Roe v. Wade and the Supreme Court, how they're like, I, I want to be part of that light. Um, and um, especially because before I was even two years old, I had terrible dreams and I was with Satan when Jesus has been delivering me from that. But um, I just want to be part of that light in that regard because, you know, I, I can relate to, like, a lot of evil experiences. All right. Anybody else? Do you want to do it, Nate? Um, so this week I went to a soccer camp, but it was hard because the weather was super hot, but I got through it and had a great time. So I thank God for that. Okay, I think the band has one more song for us. All right, thank you all. It's, uh, if you'd like to stand, we'll do one more. <clears throat> Thank you. 
we've got a couple of announcements. Um, and, uh, but first, we have a, one announcement, a fun announcement. We have a birthday up here. Andrew, who's up here in the front row, he is uh, wearing the, the really cool hat. Happy birthday, um, Dad. Happy birthday, Andrew. Should we sing happy birthday to Andrew? Let's do it. All right. So, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Andrew. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Andrew. All right, let's do some more announcements. All right, I'm back with the announcements. I failed to release the Treehouse children. So if you are ages kindergarten and over, you can make your way back. You'll see Jess there waving in her Treehouse shirt. So you guys can head back there. So for those of you who are new, we want to say welcome. We would like to have you take a moment, if you're new or old, to fill out the digital connection card on our website, or there's a physical card in your actual pew. If you are new to Genesis, we'd love for you to text, all one word, new to Genesis, to 94000. Again, that's new to Genesis, one word, to 94000. If you'd like, you can place the green card in the wooden box at the back of our sanctuary with your prayer requests or any information that you're seeking. That's also a place that you can put your offering if you brought it with you. Thank you to all who give online or through text. Uh, are you willing to host a gathering this summer? So maybe an evening in your backyard around the fire or a picnic lunch or summer games or something creative you like to do. Genesis is a place of belonging and we want to extend that belonging to others over the summer. So if you are willing to host a gathering, creating a place to belong, um, you can contact Pastor Nate to set a date and to get some more information. Genesis is also looking to hire a youth ministry director to lead our middle and high school students. It's a part-time position with lots of flexibility. If something you or someone else you know might be interested in, we'd love for you to stop by the garden desk at the end or in before services for more information. At this time, we'd really like to release you to say hi to someone next to you. Thank you for being here today.
Happy birthday to you. Well, good morning. It is a good day. It's Andrew's birthday. We have, we have sung for you. And anybody needs to do a high kick for Andrew in honor of Andrew without hurting themselves. Whoever wants to do a high kick in his name. There we go. Uh, when Kate was sharing that this morning, just sort of that word of God doing a new thing, something credited to God, something about in the wasteland, right, water coming in the desert, new life sprouting up that God is doing. You know, there's always that sense that when, when my experience, when we seem to have these messages from God to sustain us. They are for us, but they are usually more than just for us. And so there's just that sense that even as Kate was sharing that, that this morning, yes, it was to her, but the prophetic word is for the strengthening of the entire church, the whole community. And that's the beautiful part of God, is that what even is given to us has ramifications for so many people. And so my sense was that that could be for you, too. And so, again, Kate, would you mind just even reading that verse one more time? Just with that sense. And so my question for you as you sit here is maybe to say, God, is this for me, too? It's from Isaiah forty-three nineteen. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Mm. And so that, with that word, when Jesus came, no one perceived it. When Jesus rose from the dead, no one perceived it. When Jesus is even alive and walking around after he rose from the dead, no one even recognized him. This new thing that God was doing in the wasteland, new life coming. I'm doing it. You may not perceive it, but I'm doing it. And so, um, I had that sense too. It was like, oh, okay, yes, God, do your, do your new thing where life comes in the barren places. I want that. I need that. And so I was like, oh, yes, I received that too. And so here's my question. Who else receives that word, takes hold of that hope of God doing a new thing where you're not doing the new thing, but God is? So if that's you, would you stand that we could just receive it as just a way of saying, God, let our faith believe. Let us have hope. So if that's you, feel free to stand and let's pray. And so, God, you're the God who does new things. You're the God who can, who can take barren things and wildernesses and bring life. 
places where the message is no life can be here. Go, Jesus, go. We cannot perceive it, but yet you have said it. And so we say, go, Jesus, go, and bring your life to where you get credit and praise and glory. Would you sustain the weary and the broken today? Amen. 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 Thank you for sharing that word this morning, Kate, and sharing with us all. Uh, so we are in this series called Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God. And next week is July the 3rd, and we're going to be talking about the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation has all this apocalyptic language. And so we're going to say, what about that? What about this message that is in Revelation that God is loving completely? And then two weeks from now, we're going to go back a little bit and we're going to say, okay, yep, sinners in the hands of a loving God, but what about all those stories in the First Testament that God don't look so loving? Or he's even accredited to God's hand, being violent, inviting his people to annihilate men, women, and children. What about those stories? What do we do? And so that's going to be in two weeks. But today, this is the fourth Sunday. And wanted to pause. I actually have like, this was interesting. I had like two sermons. And I had notes for two complete sermons this morning. <laughs> and so, um, luckily, I will not do both. <laughs> You're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. He does <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm not known for limiting and having that kind of wisdom. But, but maybe today, wisdom will, will prevail. And so, this has been um, a parable of Jesus that has grabbed my heart and is still taking a hold of me in certain ways. And I want to share this parable with us as a way to immediately apply it with action. I love being in the Gospels because there is no one like Jesus. And again, we're in the series that we're in that says that Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so church, if we're uncertain of what God looks like, look at Jesus. And so we stay there and we stay there and we anchor there. And so Jesus is our Lord, our master, our teacher our Savior, our Rabbi. And so this morning I turned to one of his parables. And this is in Luke chapter 14. And I think I've even shared part of this recently, but I want to dig into it just a little bit more this morning. Luke 14, Jesus is announcing the parable of like this great feast that is being offered, the great banquet. And this is found in verses 16 to 24. And it says this, Jesus replied, a certain man was, providing a, was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent a servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all, like, began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, 
I have just bought five yoke of oxen. And I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. We have this great banquet feast and Jesus throws this out here of this great invitation and there's three groups that are being in invited here. And I want to illuminate this as we look at Jesus and his message. I've got this beautiful invitation that is going out. This radical hospitality which is the way of Jesus. And so this first group that we have is just this generic of saying many are invited to the banquet. It is ready and many are invited. But among this many, in this parable, there are many have excuses. And they're kind of ridiculous excuses. And for the one comes in and it says, oh, I just bought a field and I got to go look at it. <laughs> you know? And, um, oh, I bought, I bought five oxen. I've already paid for them. I need to inspect them now. And the other person said, well, I just got married. So I can't come. I mean, don't you think the banquet has a plus one to it? And so these excuses boil down to rejection. This rejection of saying, I'm good. Now, I'm good. No, thank you. Not for me. No. But then Jesus goes on to say, okay, if the banquet is rejected, what does God do? For those who make excuses, say, nah, I, I, I'm not in need of this. Well, the master sends his servant. And this goes to the second group. He says, go quickly. There's an urgency to this. Go quickly to his servant. Go into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. This is the second group. It's so interesting this invitation that goes out here, it's to the servant that Jesus sends it to. He sends his servant saying, make this invitation. And so why is that? That this is specifically to the servant. Well, first, this group includes the impoverished and those who suffer disabilities. And they need someone to bring them. So their issue is not an excuse. Their issue is mobility. Their issue is just being able to get there. Their issue is just being able to say yes to the grand invitation. Willingness may not be their issue. Mobility is. 
And here's Jesus telling his servants, go to him. And that go is not just, oh, go and make the invitation known, but serve them and bring them. That's what radical hospitality looks like. Not only willing to make an invitation, but willing to pursue to those who have mobility issues to say, let me bring you. Let there be nothing hindering your ability to come. In my life, I got a few people who have mobility issues. And for them to be here, they have to be, or for them to be where I would want them to be, they have to be brought. They got to be picked up. They got to be pursued. You got to go after them. You got to call them and say, yeah, I'll come. I'll get you. But if the invitation went out, they would come. And our God, who's radical hospitality, is saying, oh, this invitation specifically is going out to those we're broken, hurting, poor, disabled, blind, and lame. And he says, go and get them and bring them. Go and get them. Now, we live in a society where with those with disabilities aren't brought places. Right? We, we live in a society when, with these groups of people will find isolated places for them to be so they can be self-sustained where they are, but not to be brought in for the most part. We live in a society where invitations aren't given for the most part for people within these circumstances because of the issues that would take in order for them to be there and to be served and to be loved. I remember, um, so there's this Jewish festival that Carmel and I always love to participate in. It's a festival of Sukkot, and it's, it's, it's a seven-day party for the Jewish people that recognizes God's deliverance and God's provision for them as they hung out in a desert for 40 years, and God took care of everything. And so since that time, God said, hey, I want you to throw a party every year, and I want you to build these shelters um, and I want you to invite anyone and everyone. But for the most part, they said, we want you to invite, invite the poor. Invite the blind, invite the lame, invite the broken. And I can remember when we were throwing our party, I was like, okay, okay. And so I, my buddy Reggie, who is um, a paraplegic, I was like, oh, Re Reggie, well, I'll invite Reggie. And, and he came. But that meant like three different buses and then riding his electronic wheelchair up my street, being pushed up my gravel driveway into the backyard. I mean, it was, a, it was an affair for me just to try to show some hospitality to Reggie. And not only that, if Reggie comes to eat, you have to feed him, which is in a beautiful um, part of that. But when Jesus says, this is what the invitation looks like. Invite the broken. When you think about that kind of invitation, and at Genesis we, we had this, this pillar, this, this sort of value about belonging, wanting to create spaces of belonging. 
And that's way bigger than just sitting uh, in here. It's sort of just knowing that you belong to God and we belong to each other. So when you think about this invitation to the poor, the blind, the broken, and the lame, is there something that comes to mind to make an extra an attempt, the invitation to say, make room for them? And the call goes to the servant. Servant, go out and get them and bring them. Is there somebody who comes to your mind? For me, I got two people. My friend Petey. And Petey can walk. He's got some pain issues, but he has no car. No transportation. And so, for me to be with Petey means I gotta go get him. And it's not that far. It's 15 minutes. But I think about Petey. And I don't see him as often because I don't get him. And then another friend named Robert. And so, Lord, would you highlight for us, not by duty or guilt, but this idea of beautiful hospitality. And that invitation to the banquet and what your table looks like. May we know the joy of making invitations and making room for people. So would you bring to mind... That beautiful picture that includes us and others. Amen. There's a third group in this parable. And so they come back after they have done this work. After they invited the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there's still more room. And then the master told his servant... Go out to the roads and the country lanes. Go out even further. And compel them to come in. So that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. So here's this third group. There's still room. The master tells the servant to go out even further. Beyond the lanes and the city streets and the highways. In the hedges. But this invitation is more than just sort of geographic. The implication is that the servant should go further out into the margins of society. Most often, preachers and commentators have called this the sinners. On the margins. And this language to this group was this. Compel them. Compel them. Why do you think it says compel to this group? To the ones who are further out. We know that the invitation to the banquet is never done by coercion. Why compel? Could it be that this pocket of people has believed a lie that says you are not welcome? There's not a space for you here. You you don't, no, you've stepped over the edge way too far. And this is beyond you. Could it be that there was so much fear 
that they would say, no, I, I, I'm not, I can't come. Not for me. An invitation to that banquet? Not for me. Lightning will strike me if I show up there. And yet, in this parable, Jesus is inviting his people, compel them. Have you ever been in great need and someone offered you what you needed, but you still said no? You said, like, oh, nah, I'm all right, I'm good. No, thank you. No, no problem. Have you ever said no to something you really needed or you longed for and hoped for? Out of some just sort of weirdness? Not wanting to show yourself too needy or too vulnerable. Like you kind of got it together, no big deal, but you need that. <laughs> but they're offering kindness and love and support. But for whatever reason you sense, you just got to play it cool. No, I've done that recently. And in one of the small scenario, the person would not give up. And was like, no, how about you still do it? They were compelling me. And I gave in. I gave in. That's what compelling is about. That whatever fear or doubts or insecurities that we had, that the invitation continues to convince them you're wanted, you're loved, you're needed, there's room for you, you belong here, you fit here, this is for you. We want you here. That kind of invitation compel them who are further out. This is a picture of radical hospitality from Jesus into the banquet table. The final little statement in this parable has that kind of warning. And it says this, I tell you, not one of those who were invited, that first group of the many who made their excuses, will get a taste of my banquet. Now in this parable, and in real life, those, th this actually doesn't happen. That's hyperbole. That, so, when Jesus brought his message of the kingdom of God to the people of Israel... There were many Pharisees and priests and stuff who did not believe him. But after his death and resurrection, and so again, we got to look at every parable in the meaning that Jesus had, but also in light of his death and resurrection, there was a new meaning to it in light of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And after the death and resurrection of Jesus in Acts, it says, many Pharisees and priests believed. And we have a God even for the people who make excuses and who have said no, continues out of his grace to extend invitations to come to the table. For those who are self-righteous or arrogant or whatever it might be. This is the radical invitation of Jesus. 
And so I, I ask you, when, it, when we come to, be, to un- understanding this and this parable, this is the fourth Sunday where we want to put our worship into action. And that worship, that emulation, is to have radical hospitality in the same way that we see this with Jesus. Pursuing the sick, the broken, the hurting, and pursuing those who are way, way far away. And compelling them to come. So when you think about those groups of people... Where is the invitation for you to show radical, and the opportunity to show radical hospitality in the way of Jesus? Who comes to your mind to welcome to your home? Or to bring with you into the patterns of your life? To make room around the table? To compel them to come with you into the things that bring life? Who are those brothers and sisters who need to be pursued? Whom God loves and goes after as lost sheep and prodigal sons and daughters. Maybe it's you. You're even here, but you say, oh, I'm not here. Oh, may you hear the gracious invitation to sit at the table. May you hear the invitation to make room for others. And may we invite them. So here's a couple opportunities. One, boy, we got some great holidays coming up. Where maybe you can make room for some people. Two, over the summer, we're trying to have some really practical spaces of belonging. And one of the patterns we're trying to do is to have over July and August, every Sunday night, a place to belong. A place just to be, a place to have an invitation, a place to, to um, invite people to be with us. Not for the sake of having uh, anything, but to have a table set and conversations and to be with people. And so we want to invite you, we want to encourage you, would you be willing to open up a table, to open up your backyard, to have a place to belong for others? You don't have to make that open to everyone, maybe that's just a natural pattern, so we want to encourage you. Could you set a table and practice radical hospitality? And many of you already have this practice. But of us, we want to imitate the radical way of Jesus, which was incredible hospitality. And so the first Sunday in July is July the 3rd, next Sunday. And so that place is going to be at my house. Now, the July the 3rd is between two great holidays at my house. July the 2nd is Carmel's birthday, and July the 4th is the 4th of July. And growing up in Missouri, I love to shoot off fireworks. I, 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 I love to have my own fireworks show. If I was independently wealthy, it would be so dangerous. But I have an extremely limited budget. But there is just something so joyful about shooting off fireworks. And I tell you why, I live in Oak Park. And we go crazy in Oak Park. For those of you who live in Oak Park, when it comes on the 4th of July, it, it is like every direction. But on the 3rd at my house, 
I, I think that we'll probably be gathering like at five, and we'll just kind of go on. We're going to be sitting outside, hanging out, and eventually we're going to shoot off safely for the most part. If Norm comes, we should be scared. But I hope you come, Norm. I, and, you know. But no, uh, so, so that invitation is at my house on the 3rd, if you're around, and just to be. And we'll shoot off kid-friendly fireworks and then some other things if people want to bring them. So that's your July 3rd. We're going to text, every Sunday we'll text out a location where there's a place to belong. And not only for you to belong, for you to bring anybody you want. And I would encourage you, bring somebody who needs a ride. Bring somebody who can't get there unless you bring them. And then the other person to bring, somebody who feels like they are just so far away from a community of belonging. So far away from the love of Jesus who would say, nah, I, I, I am excluded because of A, B, C, or D. And make a place for them to be loved. Now those, we're going to have those patterns on Sunday nights. But also, next Sunday is the first Sunday in the month when we eat together. And so if you're around and you want to eat together, even as a part of this service, we're inviting you, bring a picnic lunch next Sunday with you, and then following the service, we're going to eat together outside. Nate's going to be teaching on Revelation. It's going to be awesome. And with that as well, bring food and, and bring someone with you. Now again, you don't need just these dates in order to live out this radical teaching of Jesus. But this could be an excuse. This could be a reason to practice what Jesus says. And then I say, oh, if you're looking for a reason to practice what Jesus says, then take a hold of it. But if not, look at the calendar of your life and the rhythm of your life. Where is there opportunity to practice the radical invitation of Jesus? to open up your table and to invite and to pull close and to include more as a way of living the Jesus way. So let's put our worship into action and live this way and be good news to those who are excluded and on the margins, lonely and hurting and filled with the fear that they're outside of the love of God. And so, Father, would you illuminate in our hearts your good for us? Would you, by your spirit and by your grace, because this invitation is not duty, but it's all by your grace that you prepare us to live into this life of Jesus. So by your grace, by your goodness, by your delight, would you fill us with your spirit to be able to say yes with your joy and your energy and your hope to the things of Jesus, that we could live into them, not trying to earn, impress, but experiencing the robust, self-giving life of Jesus. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, to live out your beautiful teachings and the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is radical hospitality and belonging. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, teaching number two. No, I'm done. I'm done.
may you go in the peace of Jesus. And so we, we send each other. Would you greet each other as you go? Would you send each other out? For those who seem that need a hand or a touch or an embrace, see them, embrace them, and go with them. If you're traveling over the next week, may God bless you and sustain you where you might find yourself. But otherwise, we would love to see you at the table set here next Sunday and at a table set at my house next Sunday night if you're, if you're willing. And we'll send out that address for whoever wants to come and you can bring fireworks. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday.